everybody and welcome to the next episode of Friday Fundamentals for Creative Entrepreneurs. What comes to your mind when I say the word calligraphy? Beautiful script, pretty looking paper. But does the word business sit with calligraphy? Well, today's guest is going to show us exactly that. She's this young, brilliant entrepreneur who's built a thriving business around this very, very niche skill of pointed pen calligraphy. Not just that, she's got a client list that's impressive beyond words. She's also built a thriving community of artists uh, and calligraphy enthusiasts across the country. So without further ado, let's welcome Sanjana Chetlani of the Bombay Lettering Company. Thank you, Sanjana. Thank you so much for being on this podcast. Uh, we're so happy to have you here. No, thank you. And I'm really happy to be here as well. Lovely, Sanjana. So, um, can you tell us by, um, you know, can you tell us about uh, your life before Bombay Lettering? So, I know that you did not, uh, you know, start off with Bombay Lettering as your first uh, professional option. What were, uh, what were yeah. you doing before Bombay Lettering? So, um, I graduated from Mumbai University in 2015 and then okay. I decided to do brand management because I thought um, marketing and branding was something I really wanted to do. And I was kind of, you know, excited for the corporate journey and my like whole life in the corporate world. And so I applied for a couple of jobs and I got a job with LVMH um, and their wines and spirits division, which is Moet Hennessy. So it's a French wines and spirits company. And I never really thought I'd get into the wines and spirits world because I didn't know much about it. Um, but I think by default, um, the most active company in LVMH's companies in India is Moet Hennessy. So I, um, that was my first job. I started okay. as an intern um, and I was interning under the marketing and PR heads. And it was a really, really interesting, um, I would say, first you know, corporate experience. I okay. began to love it and obviously then got absorbed into the company. And I was there for about three and a half years before I obviously decided to take the plunge and uh, move into doing my own thing. So I was mainly working on a sparkling wine brand called Shandon. Okay. Um, and doing the marketing and brand management for India and the surrounding markets, um, which was what I loved was that I was the youngest person in the company and probably on the team, but the sense of responsibility was a lot. Um, the work given to me was a lot. So I was learning, you know, a lot with great people around me. I loved my team. My boss was amazing. And I think all that really adds to, you know, a great experience in terms of um, a job. Right. Um, and I mean, and, so it, it sounds like, you know, it sounds like a wonderful journey. And so how, how did calligraphy um, happen? How did, how did calligraphy figure in the middle of your luxury brand management stint? So I was this like 24 something, you know, millennial, loving the corporate world, loving to sort of work the extra hours. But that's kind of been my nature. I've always been very like over um giving and enthusiastic about anything I do in life whether it's like school college um extracurriculars and even my job because I realized a lot of people wouldn't give their 100% to something that may not be their own and mm -hmm. I see that more today but I was the kind of kid who'd give it, even the job I was working for the company I was working for I'd give it my all and I loved it and um I used to come home from work you know 
okay, tired of looking at a screen, tired of like um, just sitting on a desk. So I would be like, okay, what can I do with my hands? Because I used to love art in school, okay. but I never really did anything with it at all. So I would come home from work and I'd try and write out and draw out like inspirational and motivational quotes. Um, you know, things I could put up on my desk at work or things I could just pin up and, you know, look at when I want to. And I started finding these really interesting lettering artists on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And I realized I was like, okay, this seems like another world altogether. So I started, you know, Instagram's like this rabbit hole. You see one thing and then they'll suck yes. you in and show you more. <laughs> that was started happening to me. And I started following amazing calligraphers and lettering artists from the US and from Europe. And I had never seen that kind of work before, especially the style that I now do, which is called pointed pen calligraphy. I hadn't seen people in India doing that because predominantly it's a very European and American script um, mm. and style. So I was very fascinated. And then I wrote to a few lettering artists with not really expecting anyone to even reply to me. But to my surprise, they replied. They were really friendly, really warm. And I planned a trip to California. And I was like, can I come? Um, and, you know, I'll just do a workshop with you. I just want to learn this. So I remember taking leave from work. And I said, I'm like, you know, I'm going on a family holiday because my dad's sister lives in California. So we made a trip out of it. Lovely. And I did some... I did some workshops. I learned from a few calligraphers in San Francisco and LA. And I think that's when I was just like, wow, I love this. I don't know what I want to do with it, but I love it. Um, and I came back and for the next few months, I kind of started working on like thinking of making an Instagram page, um, deciding, you know, like just stuff I want to do with it. But even back then, it was just a hobby. It was just a passion project. It was just something I thought I would do as a creative outlet. Mm. Um, so that's how the interest started rising, I would say. And what I realized through that was that the community in the U.S. was mm. amazing. And I thought that if I ever had to do calligraphy over here in India, the one thing I'd love to do is build a community like that. You know, because it was so welcoming for me. It wasn't like snooty artists with 100,000 followers on Instagram and not bothering to reply to you. They were all really helpful. And I realized that that's something I'd love to inculcate, even if I were to be part of a community over here. Yeah, and, and I think kind that's... Of how yeah, and it reflects, I mean, like, you know, your live sessions through the lockdown and even how I reached out to you was through Instagram and we had no prior introduction, but, uh, you know, it was amazing how we were able to connect. And, uh, you know, I know that you personally handle your Instagram account as well and you're yeah. actually <laughs> the face behind the account. And yeah, so it makes for very genuine connections. And thank you for uh, for interacting with me in the first place. And now oh, we're here with this I podcast mean yeah. You know, trust me, some of the best friendships in the last two years I've made in the in the world through my calligraphy have been through Instagram. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a tool that, of course, you know, some people don't know the potential of and some people try and use too much. But I think finding the right balance um, right. is great. And you can definitely build amazing relations uh, yeah. through it as well. Absolutely. 100%. My next question is about, uh, so you, you started pursuing this as your, you know, your, your hobby. And when did it, when did it take that serious turn? And when did you decide that, you know, you're going to let go of your full-time job and take the plunge into uh, establishing a company centered around calligraphy? So 
I started my Instagram account in October 2017. And this was a few months after I came back from California. And I was learning, I was enjoying. But even then, I was just putting up pictures for fun. You know, like things I was doing for friends and family. Okay. Um, I remember it very clearly because it was October. And then a friend reached out to me saying, uh, can you write Diwali cards for me? But I'm only going to let you do it if, if you charge me. And I was like, okay. what's wrong with you? I'll do it for free. <laughs> and he was like, no, if you're doing this, you do it properly. You charge me. Otherwise, you're not doing it. And that was the on Diwali day in 2017 was the first time I earned something with calligraphy. Right. Um, so the nice, like, first, you know, first payment through calligraphy. And he loved it. And then it kind of spread through like word of mouth because it became the wedding season, the gifting season, you know, right. how October, November. Yeah, is. yeah. And I didn't realize that I landed myself starting this bang in the center of season time. So I started getting calls for like, oh, can you do, you know, these wedding envelopes, the calligraphy mm. for the wedding cards? Can you do like gift tags? We're doing gifting and Christmas. And it sort of started building and picking up through that. Um, mm. At that point, it was still okay, manageable. I was doing it on the weekends. I was doing it after work. And then I got an order to do a 1,500 envelopes mm. for um, a wedding of a really, really big industrialist family in India. And I was okay. like, I got to get And I was like, whoa, I don't know if I can handle this. <laughs> um, but juggling it with work and everything, I made the deadline just in time. He was mm. extremely happy with my work. Um, and it all went really well. And I think that's what made me realize that, oh, wow, I can actually even consider doing this professionally in a more serious sense. Um, so let's say eight months later, it was that maybe into a hundred. And I was okay. killing myself because I was, you know, loving my day job. So trying to do that, mm. coming home and loving my calligraphy and trying to like fulfill orders until I realized I was at a point where I had to refuse work for calligraphy. So I had to say no to people. And it was, it made me feel bad because I was like, oh no, I love this. I don't want to say no. Um, So I think this was around April-ish, 2018, Mm -hmm. that I actually started looking at it seriously, April, May. And I was like, you know what? Um, I have been doing this on the side. I have been seeing a really good response. And I think more than anything else, I've been loving it. You know, I'm, I'm so happy cutting down on my social life. My friends hadn't seen me. Um, and I was a really, really social person. I would love going out. I'd love meeting people. Every weekend, I'd be out with my friends. But here I was willingly sitting at home to do calligraphy on the weekends um, right. with no friends. My parents were like, who is this person? What has gotten into her? go out. And before they had to stop me from going out. Right. Um, so it's all of it, you know, you just realize and you're just like, this has become such a big part of me. Mm-hmm. I'm enjoying it. I'm loving it. It's giving me a sense of happiness. Plus, I'm seeing a positive response it, from the work side of things. Like there were right. orders coming in from people. And that's when I started thinking about what if I had to do this full time? Mm. Um, and that's when I think it was around June uh, 2018 that I decided to put in my papers I had a really honest chat with my boss and they were so supportive and they were so encouraging of it. And I realized that I was like, okay, hey, I'm, I'm 25 now. If I don't do this now, like then when? 
What's right. the, the best thing is there was no like investment. It's not like you're starting a business where you require, you know, large amounts of investment in like yeah. space, so much and machine, whatever, you know, like yeah. Yeah. starting business. There was no investment. I could start from home. I right. didn't have anything to lose. For me, worst case scenario was I get back into the corporate world, which is not really a worst case scenario because I love the corporate world. So right. I was like, it's, it seems a win-win. Why not try um, and just see where this goes? Mm. Um, so then I decided to quit and take it forward. Also, you know, I financially, I realized that I am able to make a decent amount doing this. Um, right. So I kind of waited out in that last month before quitting my job. I, mm. I tried to be realistic about it. I tried to make sure that I wasn't just being um, impulsive. Right. Um, and I think that's when I... It was difficult, I would say. It was definitely a difficult decision because, um, of course, you have that thing at the back of your head that, oh my God, I'm quitting a really nice job to start something as niche as a calligraphy business or a calligraphy yeah. company. Um, but I think uh, I just realized that I want to just go with my gut at the end of it. That's lovely, Sanjana. And um, so, you know, when you, when you made this transition, so you being the artist to you now being the artist come entrepreneur because that, you know, now Bombay lettering by now had become your full-time uh, job, right? So how do you, like a lot of people say that, you know, artists can't be entrepreneurs, artists and art entrepreneurs are very different. What's your take on it? And how did you deal with, you know, wearing these two hats? Ah, so initially it, it, it is tough. You're wearing not two, but you're wearing multiple hats. You know, I remember being the calligrapher, um, the entrepreneur, the the delivery girl, the the girl packing all the orders, the accountant doing all the invoicing, and it it's a lot. Yeah. So I realized over time that I have to start delegating, and if I want this to become more than just um, a side hustle for someone working from home, because I never wanted to be a freelancer. So right. for me, that was not the plan. I realized that. I had that little businessy side in me, especially through my years at Moet Hennessy. Mm. Um, you know, realizing that I love brand management, I love marketing, I love those things also. So I was like, I want to bring the best of both these worlds together. So I do want to have the business side in me also. Um, so initially it was tough until I realized that um, if I want to grow, I need a few people on board and I need people to help me do that. I always get asked, um, you know, do you want to be Sanjana the artist or do you want to build Bombay Lettering the company? Honestly, I'm not sure if I have the answer for you yet because I do want a bit of both. Um, initially, you know, speaking to a lot of people and even my own mentors, a lot of them said, it's not possible, you can't do both. Um, and this is coming from traditional old school artists and calligraphers who've not seen it any other way who've, you know, given their whole life towards learning an art form and being the best artists that they are in the world today. Um, but I feel the younger generation and the millennials today, we look at things differently. Mm. I, I wouldn't completely agree with the, the older generation that say that, no, if you're an artist, you're only an artist. Um, I don't necessarily believe in that because with the tools and the means we have today, with the digital presence there is, with um, just the way things are around us, you can do both. Um, yes, it's a lot more work because you are 
focusing on two things and giving those two a hundred percent. One is being an entrepreneur and one is focusing on your skill as an artist, yeah. which I promise you can take a lifetime. So uh, I think it's tough. Um, I'm trying to find the balance. The minute I feel like I'm going off track where I'm focusing too much on the business and, you know, not giving the artist attention, I try and steer back. And then I realize that I'm practicing too much calligraphy and not focusing on being an entrepreneur. I have to steer back. Right. So it's, I think, trying to just find that balance of yeah. double work because you're doing two things simultaneously to yeah. run the ship. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, yeah, like, uh, like most other creative entrepreneurs, it's, it's a balancing act, right? And I think you've done it so admirably. And, you, you know, I hear a lot of people saying that uh, solopreneurs are, you know, can only grow up to a certain extent, which is, which is probably true, you know, as your business scales, you need yeah. more hands or you need like a new, you know, you need to pivot your strategy to, yeah. to help you grow yeah. and scale your business. Yeah. But, you know, even as a solopreneur, you've had you've had you've made so much impact and you have like this brilliant client list so can you tell us about the celebrities you've worked with and how did you land those orders and how did you execute those huge orders so it's funny you brought this up because i was reading a book called um, company of one and it was okay. really interesting it spoke about how um, scaling up and becoming big is not necessarily the next um, step and it's right. not necessarily your uh, most obvious strategy. Mm -hmm. um, and that there are a lot of pros in being a company of one, literally, one. and being the solopreneur also. So I think it's a very conscious decision. Okay. Mm -hmm. Whether you want to scale up or you're really happy with what you have and building that up into a business of your dream. Right. So I guess it's, that's a very personal choice in terms of what it is you want. Where am I today? I'm not sure yet. I'm loving where I am and I'm loving just going with the flow and uh, seeing each day uh, as it comes. Do I want to scale? Of course I do. Um, but with something like an art form and something like calligraphy, you have to be really careful that you don't lose your core essence and soul, which is being an, a really good calligrapher in the process right. of scaling. So I'm happy to take it slow and you know go with the flow in that sense. Mm. Um, in terms of the big clients... I would say it's a mix of a few things. One is geography. So I'm grateful and thankful that I live in a city like Bombay, where most of the big companies have headquarters, most of the big brands are, most of the marketing teams sit out of. So in terms of, sorry, in terms of proximity as well, um, you know, I'm right here where right. it's easier for someone to reach out to a calligrapher in the same city than give it to someone in another city. Um, two, uh, I, I would say my social circle, my social skills, the fact that I, I like to network, I like to, you know, meet new people, I like to have those connections. So that's inherently part of my personality and my nature as well. Okay. Um, so I would say that's obviously something I feel that's helped me. Um, three, I even feel my previous job, you know, the clients I met. Uh, um, the, the, the contacts I made, the people I met through working in the luxury industry. Mm. Because at the end of the day, calligraphy is kind of like an added luxury. It's not a necessity. Right. Even in your event and wedding space, calligraphy is the additional layer. Um, if someone wants to, you know, go personalization, go that route, they right. would add on. Um, so having a luxury market, I would say clientele is always helpful. 
So that definitely helped. And whether it was the agencies we worked with, the PR agencies, the marketing agencies, um, the hotels, the restaurants, you know, people you work with in this industry, everyone knew why I was leaving. Obviously, because you send out an email to tell people, <laughs> you know, why you're leaving, what you're doing next. So, you know, obviously, even for, for a lot of people, for me today, I live, breathe, drink, eat, sleep, calligraphy. But nobody else does. And for people today, even in the hospitality industry or in the marketing space, a calligrapher is not every other person you meet. A calligrapher may be that one-off person. So when they think of calligraphy, they would automatically think of me and then maybe refer or something like that. So yeah, I would say it's a mix of a few things. A mix of um, just my you know, relations, my word of mouth, social skills, my previous job, um, where I am. Initially, I didn't reach out to any companies. I was, I was also a bit, you know, intimidated or scared that I don't want to be the one reaching out and not being able to, um, you know, fulfill, first, for example. So right. I just stayed, because I let people reach out to me. And thankfully, that was happening. Um, for Priyanka Chopra and Nick Jonas's wedding, that one took me by surprise, for sure. Uh, I, I was just at home working like any other day. And I got a call from a company um, that was called All That Jazz. And they were handling the communication and design for the wedding. For the and they just asked me, they were like, okay, we've come across your work on Instagram and we're working on a celebrity project. We can't name anything. We can't disclose anything. <laughs> but we need you to send um, physical samples of your work today because we are flying to meet the bride and groom in Delhi tomorrow and we need to show it to them. And I was like, okay, sure. And I scrambled, you know, some stuff together. I put it in together and I sent it to them. Next day I got a call. They're like the bride and groom senior work. They loved it. They want to go ahead. Um, so this is what you have to do. The wedding is in 10 days and they gave me work worth one month. And I was just like, oh my God, this is going to be a lot of work. Um, when did you was, know it was them? So they, I mean, then of course they had, they sent me an NDA. So I had to sign it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So those 10 days leading to the wedding, I was like so eager to talk about it, but I couldn't. Um, I could only talk about it after and once I reached Jodhpur because three days before the wedding, they said, okay, listen, uh, we know you've been working on all the, um, the paper goods for the wedding, which is everything from the place cards, the menus, the, the sit down dinner, seating charts, the tags, the welcome letters. But they were like, listen, but we need you on site as well, because if there are any changes, you know, we can't not have the calligraphy. And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, I'll come. <laughs> I was like, let me just change my schedule. <laughs> Yeah, I would left everything to fly there. So it was fun. So it was really nice. They they flew me in. They put me up. Um, very nice, very hospitable. The team I was working with. Um, I was at the Umed Bhavan for the three days of the wedding, sitting in another room working on like seating charts and changes or any additional things. Right. There was a lot of work. So I was, you know, and I remember this very clearly because I reached and everyone had to make an ID card for themselves because obviously the crew was so much more and the security was so tight and I reached and I was like you know they probably saw me coming in this young girl maybe she's in like hair and makeup or decor or whatever and I reached and I'm like hi I need to make my ID and uh, they were like okay where which department and I was like calligraphy and they were like what 
there's a there's a calligraphy department at this wedding and i was like listen i don't know if there's a department but i definitely know that i am the calligrapher over here and that lady making you know at the security desk she was like i have been um working on so many events through the past 20 years but i have never seen an on-site calligrapher be at a wedding and that made me feel really nice because it made me realize that people are not giving importance to having right. an on-site calligrapher right. um which was a very like positive side of it also yeah. so that's kind of how that happened and it was really nice a month later i was just tried to google my own name to see what came up and i found that there was a people uh, us article written on my work for the wedding i didn't even know about it until i just stumbled upon that article um people magazine so that was really nice also um otherwise in terms of like hni and celebrity stuff um most of the time it's been the agency working right. on the order or the wedding that reaches out to me whether it was for the ambani wedding Mm-hmm. uh where um 70 emg the event company handling it reached out to me or yeah. whether it when it was the picand runways i had uh natli who was handling the wedding cards who was designing the cards reach out to me so it's usually the um the middle the middle person right uh, reaching out to me for it um and then most of the time if it's big brands or hnis i have someone from the marketing team get in touch with me for the project Lovely. Yeah. So, thank you for all of those insights. Um, my next question is about we we spoke a lot about scale, right? Um, um, you know, in in today's scenario, when 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 a person says the word entrepreneur, what automatically pops up to your mind is like you know a, a venture capitalist asking questions about scale and you know how soon yeah. am I going to get my money back and things like that. But yeah. now you know the rise of uh, with the rise of creative entrepreneurs, all of that has. you know kind of taken a a slight turn at least in their own businesses because it's so heavily dependent at the end of the day your business is so heavily dependent on your skill right so it's your calligraphy and your writing um so what are your plans to you said you want to scale so do you have something in mind in the pipeline about how you're going to expand your business can you tell our audience something about that so i think for me um as i mentioned earlier what the one thing i didn't want was to be a freelancer or to be just like a solo artist um for me i wanted something bigger i wanted something more i wanted something that was more uh fulfilling maybe i don't know and i realized that there was not one calligraphy focused company in this country there were calligraphers there are, there are design studios there are graphic designers there are you know but there's nobody who has a company that's solely focused on um calligraphy lettering script and building that art form in that community in india mm. um or there may be but there are very very few and uh, i don't so i realized that okay if i want to scale up today um i have to do it slowly i'm not in a hurry and i'm not trying to like you know rush things i'm happy to give myself a few years to really work on my skill as an artist right. as well because the backbone of what we do is calligraphy and i want to be able to be known as one of the best calligraphers in the country um so for me learning is a process that's never going to end so i invest so much of what i earn back into going abroad to learn from the best teachers there are and it's expensive 
not yeah. it's not something you know but i'm very consciously making sure i'm investing that money into going and learning from the best calligraphers there are mm-hmm. um so for me that backbone is always having the best knowledge and learning from the best people there are in the world um i then realized that if i want to scale and i want to make this something sustainable i have to have different avenues or different buckets of absolutely you know revenue and different yeah. things within the world of calligraphy which is why one big bucket is obviously the commission work which is very dependent on me as the artist and this commission work can be for brands for corporates for event planners wedding planners individuals and it can be anything from handwriting a beautiful quote and framing it to lettering on a wall in someone's office to engraving in glass on champagne glasses for someone's event so it's it's very vast yeah. um the next bucket i realize is teaching and i love okay. teaching and of course one part of teaching is in person classes where i am physically teaching in person i am traveling across the country to teach um but i realized that another world to this is the online space and now more than ever we're exactly seeing, yeah um calligraphy i mean any art form everything being taught online and it's possible with things like zoom and um you know ways live classes and not just pre-recorded classes can also be done so i would bifurcate the online space into two one being live classes and one being pre-recorded classes that people buy into so i think currently i'm doing the live classes but it's a very natural progression into building an online class that you know people just buy and they get the videos um and they have the videos with them forever right. as well so teaching is a big space um the next thing is the online store that i had spoken to you about yes so i realized that if i'm teaching this art form i have to be able to provide the best quality supplies um so we now have a shop we um import supplies from all over the world i'm one of the few uh you know retailers of calligraphy supplies in india and the stores doing well we're seeing a great response which means i'm seeing and not just your you know delhi bombay delhi bombay bangalore kind of audience it's mm. people from all over the country um in smaller towns smaller villages that i'm seeing orders for which is making me realize that there are people across the country who want to learn calligraphy mm. and want to learn point and calligraphy also so expanding the online store is something i'm definitely looking at mm-hmm. in terms of having wide variety of products and supplies from across the world products from across the world and then me putting in some of my things that people can buy as well right another thing i'm really focusing on and looking at building is calligraphy as therapy and how we can use this art form as a form of therapy um with kids with adults through teaching through different things i can do so that's definitely something i'm exploring this year to see how i can because i know for a fact it is meditative it is therapeutic it calms you down it's an art form that requires so much discipline but it also grounds you it makes you focus it makes you focus on that the attention to detail is crazy yes and it has a direct impact on you your personality for sure um so i want to see what we can do with that um and in terms of expanding with a team of calligraphers that's definitely a plan it's definitely in the pipeline but it's probably a slightly longer plan right. um i will have a team i want to have a team of a few calligraphers working on you know 
calligraphy in different languages and different scripts. So tomorrow, if someone says, hi, can you do something for me in Sanskrit? I can be like, definitely. Someone's yeah. like, can you do something in Bengali? And I'll be like, absolutely. You want something in Hindi? Devnagari, sure. We have, we can offer scripts. And we yeah. come from a country with so many languages and yeah, so many absolutely. scripts. Yeah. So, you know, for not just English, but different, different languages for sure. That's lovely, Sanjana. Thank you so much for sharing all of your, uh, you know, experiences, thoughts and your future plans as well. Um, I, for one, have been a big, big follower of your live sessions. And even when you write, I can see, I mean, just looking at it, you know, it really calms me down. And uh, I can totally see uh, calligraphy as therapy catching up and uh, great to know that you're spearheading this, right? So uh, I'm really looking forward finding what you love, seeing what you can do with it, build it, build a community. So I'm really right. happy that through, you know, things like social media, email marketing, clients, I'm trying to build a community of people. I'm trying to um, give access to people in India as well by hosting international teachers, hosting right. calligraphers. Yeah. Um, so I think that's another um, space um, that I'm excited to explore also you know and I think it's all about just being true and genuine and when you find something that you truly love and you're really authentic about it and you work really hard for it you know I don't see why it shouldn't go the way you want it to go right Right, absolutely. Thank you so much, uh, uh, Sanjana. I have one last request of you. Um, if you could, uh, you know, if you could demonstrate one small bit of writing for our audience. Of course, the audience on Spotify is going to miss it, but our audience on YouTube would be very, very thrilled yeah. to watch you write. Uh, so anything that uh, comes to your mind. Okay, for sure. Um, I definitely maybe write a word or something that comes to yeah. my mind. Um, and I will be in point pen calligraphy. So, yeah, let me do okay. that for you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sanjana. Thanks for, uh, for everything. And uh, we'll stay in touch. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. And I think what you're doing um, is such a nice initiative. And especially, you know, working with creative entrepreneurs and hearing their side of the story. And as you said, not someone who's just like, you know, sitting with VCs and building something. Yeah. I, even someone who has a smaller vision but is doing a great job and is being that small business owner starting um, and hearing and giving them the opportunity to talk about it, I think is great. So, yeah, thank you for your hard work. Lovely. Thank you so much, Sanjana. 